record. We just didn't figure out how to end it. We'll work on that. Wow. I want to honor all the fathers that are here today. With all the dads, please stand. Wow. Wow. I have a, a, a special gift for you today. I'd like you to come and receive it. It is a simple token of fatherhood that we want to put in your hand and we want you to keep it with, it, with you and remind and remind yourself of the incredible privilege, honor, and responsibility that God has given you. Remember, all the families in heaven and earth are named after the Father God. And so for you to wear that title, for you to stand in that position, is a place of honor. I'd like to tell you that how we how we father determines how the nation goes. How you handle your children and obviously the mother of your children is so important that God is depending. God has, has depended on all of us to demonstrate his kingdom through family. Therefore, I want you to take your position seriously. And in a few moments, you're going to hear what to do about that. God's going to bless you with a word to help you to do that. Before you hear that word, though, I want you to come and receive this coin. And I want you to keep it with you. Every time you look at it, remind yourself by God Almighty, you have been commissioned to keep this charge. And it is one of the greatest honors in all the world. All the men said amen. And all the women clapped their hands and said amen. Come.
again, I want all of you in the building to give thanks to all of these fathers who keep their promise, who keep their charge, shape the next generation. thank you to the dads who help us worship every morning. Yes. She said, can I give one to my dad? I said, absolutely. I, I have we got him? Is he aspiring to be a dad? I'm, I am curious this morning. I'm curious this morning. There may be a, um, I'm not sure if there's enough. We'll see. Uh, there's a child or other children who are here, but your dad is not here. Are you here? Is there, are there any children who are, whose dads are not here? Praise God. One more time, give the Lord praise, amen. of the first time I met Chief Cochran was actually here in this building. We hosted a conference. It was the, I can't remember the name of them. They were something in family. Say it again. Family Research, thank you. The Family Research Council hosted a meeting here and in, during the meeting, the chief arose and began to give a short testimony. And I looked at Carol. Carol looked at me and she said, we got to know this guy. Uh, we, it was, it, immediately we said, that's somebody we're supposed to be. It was just, we knew it. We, I just want you to know that. We knew we were supposed to be connected to him and whoever was connected to him. And so uh, we finally had an, we had an opportunity to introduce ourselves. And I discovered that he was the guy that I heard about who was the chief of police in, over the city of chief of the fire chief over the city of, of Atlanta who wrote a book affirming young men and affirming their masculinity. And, and others were absolutely out raged at his book. He wrote the book on his own time with his own money, published it, and they came after him. Actually, I'll be more specific, the LBGTQ community came after him because of what he said. The, the result was he was fired from his position. Uh, he actually took the situation to court and won the case. <laughs> 
later he became uh, it was an ADF that represented you um, Alliance Defending Freedom an organization of constitutional lawyers defended his case won the case later they they invited him to be on the board of, of Alliance Defending Freedom so when we were uh, invited to that meeting I was just, I was absolutely thrilled. And Carol and I remain members of Metro City Church. We are a part of Alliance Defending Freedom. And uh, we remain so and shall remain so. And uh, we have become good friends. He is a father. Lord have mercy, he's got grown children. He and his sweetheart reside here in Atlanta. They were gone, but now you're back, right? Are you moving again? You are moving again? You going back to D.C.? Okay, well, we have to use FaceTime. Anyway, <laughs> would you please rise on your feet, and you're going to be so blessed today as this incredible father delivers the word of the Lord today, and, and you're going to love, amen, you're going to love the word of God. Put your hands together, please, and welcome Chief Cockrell. Well, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Please take your seats in the presence of the Lord. I just want to start by expressing my gratitude to your bishop and the queen and angel of this house, Carolyn Johnson, for their love, their friendship, and the invitation to be here to worship with you today and to share the Father's Day message on today. Can we give God praise for Bishop and First Lady Carolyn Johnson? Bishop Johnson and I have many things in common, but two of the quick things is both of our wives' names are Carolyn, and we both have daughters named Tiffany. There's a lot of other things that I won't take the time to go into. You'll figure it out as our relationship continues to grow over the next few years. I want to express my gratitude also to my precious wife, Carolyn, who is here with me today. Neither of my children are here today with me, but the seed of my son, Kelton, is here with us today. Our granddaughter, our only granddaughter, Tylan, is here with us today. I call her my little package. And my little package is getting bigger and bigger every year. But uh, would you please uh, express some, uh, help me express my gratitude to my wife, Carolyn, and my granddaughter, Tyler. And of course, to the brothers here today who are fathers and to the future fathers that are here today, I just want to express my gratitude and honor you as well today. The scripture that God has put on my heart to share for the Father's Day message comes from the book of Isaiah chapter 54 and verses 13 through 17 says, listen to this carefully, all your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for it shall not, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. 
and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Verse 16 says, Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. Verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. I want to talk about unhindered fatherhood, unhindered fatherhood. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Dear God, our Father, how we praise you and thank you for this is the day that you've made. And we are rejoicing and we are glad in it. We honor your presence here today at Metro City Church. And we are so thankful that you have been so good to us. Now, God, it's time for me to share the Father's Day message you have given me to share. I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations and expressions of my heart will be pleasing to you, a blessing to the fathers, and even a blessing to these, my brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All the challenges of society today can be traced back, sisters and brothers, to a deviation of fatherhood the way God had intended. There are lots of statistics that support what I've just shared and scriptures that support what I just shared. One that immediately comes to mind at the end of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verse 6 says about the coming of the prophet Elijah. It says, and I will turn, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children in the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. When you look at the statistics of what's going on in not just American society, but societies all over the world, that lest I come and smite the earth with a curse is playing itself out every day all over the world. And I believe with all of my heart that it is because of a result of men not walking into the kingdom role as fathers as God originally intended. Ancient Israel family history indicates, listen to this, fathers are the link in the genealogical chain between the next, between one generation of God's relationship with his people and the next. When the father is faithful, the promises of God transcend genealogically and generationally to his children and his grandchildren. When the father is removed from the equation of family by being absent or invisible, the challenges of walking in kingdom dominion become significantly more difficult for the mother and her children. God did not intend for mothers to raise children all by themselves. After a long line of kings of Judah who did not follow God's plan for the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of Israel was going through significant challenges at every level. 
uh, one of their kings of Judah, Josiah, decided we've got to renovate God's house. Strangely, they were keeping certain traditions, but they were not keeping the covenant promises that God had given them to keep. And while they were renovating the temple, they found a copy of the covenant promises of God and the guy who found them began to read them and got excited and said, I've got to take this to the king. And so he took the covenant promises, the book of the law of God to the king. And when the king began to read certain passages, he became convicted by it. And this is what he said in 2 Kings 22:13, because he surmised in just a short period of reading the scripture and juxtaposing the, what the scripture says against their current condition, and he came to a certain conclusion. Listen to what King Josiah said. Go and cry of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that we have found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book according to all that is written in it concerning us. You know what I believe, sisters and brothers, I believe uh, some of the commentaries said that all, four, all, all of the books of Moses were found. Some said it was just the book of Deuteronomy. But whether all of them were found or it was just the book of Deuteronomy, I believe the reading that he was reading was from the book of Deuteronomy because it summarizes in chapter 28, the first 14 are all the blessings that will come upon the land of Israel if they hearken to the promises of God. And the balance of that chapter from 15 to about 60-something talked about all the curses that will come upon the land if they didn't. And what I believe, he was reading more evidence of the curses that were on them rather than the blessings. And he says, we've got to do something about this. And the reason why we're in this condition is because our daddies did not read this book and pass it on from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Since men are such visual learners um, and we, we really grasp things when definitions are shared, I thought I'd share the definition of father and the definition of what I mean by unhindered. The definition of father is a man in a relationship with his children. That's the noun. There's a verb. The verb of father is of a man to cause a pregnancy resulting in the birth of a child. There's a Noun, father, and there is a verb, father. Check this out. It is possible for a father to cause a pregnancy resulting in the birth of a child and not be a father, a man in a relationship with his children. Problem with our country and around the world is there are too many men who are fathering children without fathering children. They're doing the verb, the action part, without doing the action part, being actually there for their children. Reminds me of uh, the lyrics from uh, that great prophet, Michael Jackson, in his song, <laughs> Wanna Be Starred in Something. Michael Jackson was wise. He spoke about fathers. He said, if you can't have a baby, if you can't feed your baby, then don't have a baby. And don't think maybe if you can't feed your baby. Michael Jackson said that. <laughs> Some wisdom in that. Here's another definition of father. It says, 
a male parent, a male parent, having God sense an image bearer. Another scriptural definition of father is prototype. It is a first or preliminary model of something of which other forms are developed or copied. So those of us who've been in this world for a while, we realize that the prototype of father is God. He is God the Father. He is the model of fatherhood, and he created copies of fathers on earth and made men who, are, uh, who have children, who bring children into the world and in a relationship with their children. We are his image bearers, brothers. We are his representatives, his emissaries, his agent on earth. So God is the prototype of fatherhood is six things. The first thing that makes us a prototype of God is God is source. Everything came out of God. So he is source. He is father. The second thing that makes God father is not only does he source things, he sustains things. And what sustaining means, he appropriates health and wellness to everything that came out of him. Another indicator of God as father is he is provider. He actually gives food, clothing, shelter, and meets the critical essential needs of those that he actually sourced. God is as father a protector. He is a fortified haven to protect, to rescue, uh, and to secure those that he sources. God as father is a nourisher. He gives guidance and encouragement and even correction and chastisement to those that he actually sources as father. And God, as capital F-A-T-H-E-R, is the foundation of faith and righteousness to all generations of his people. So that's the capital F-A-T-H-E-R. And what makes us the prototype is that all of us who have brought children into the world and in a relationship with our children are also source, sustainer, provider, protector, nourisher, foundation of faith and righteousness for the next generation of our children. Can I get an amen in there? Yeah. So if a man sources a child without being the protector, the provider, the sustainer, the nourisher, and the foundation of faith and righteousness, he is not an image bearer father. He is just a source. Does that make sense? Another definition of father is a person who cares for another person as a father might, which means, brothers, we can father other children even if we don't bring them into the world. That definition unhindered is not restrained or held back, able or uh, allowed to happen or continue without being slowed, stopped, or made more difficult. Unhindered means unsuccessful attempts to be slowed, blocked, or interfered with, unhindered. So I combine those two definitions to give the proper context, fathers, for this message that follows, and here's how it all works and fits together. Listen to this definition of unhindered father. A man in a relationship with his children, serving them as a prototype of God, an image bearer with God's sense, as a source, sustainer, provider, protector, nourisher, and foundation, unrestrained or held back, able to continue without being slowed or stopped, succeeding over any and all attempts to be interfered with as a father. That's an unhindered father. 
Is that legible enough for the brothers to see? Brothers, can y'all see that? Can y'all see that? All right, can we just, let's just decree that and read that together. All the fathers, let's read it together. Ready? Read. A man in a relationship with his children, serving them as a prototype of God, an image bearer with God's sense, as a source, sustainer, provider, protector, nourisher, and foundation, unrestrained or held back, unable to, able to continue without being slowed, stopped, or succeeding over any and all attempts to be interfered with. Sisters, can we give the brothers, the fathers a hand clap? So nationwide flourishing for Israel was dependent upon fathers who fit this description at every level. Faithful fatherhood was a prerequisite to all kingdom assignments. Remember the the instructions that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, gave Moses when Moses was trying to attend to all the needs of the nation of the tribes of Israel all day long, and he was falling short because there were people still left in line at the end of the day, and he was wearing himself out. He was wearing the people out, and Jethro says, man, this is not good. You need to choose, and he gave some descriptions for a select group of men, and here's what he said. Choose men that are uh, from households that are headed by godly fathers, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place them over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. Well, one of the things we've kind of escaped us over the years, sisters and brothers, is that because the, the, the nation of Israel was comprised of households that actually comprised clans and clans that actually made up the tribes and the tribes made up the nation of Israel. Are y'all following me? But it actually, what made it work, and Bishop said this in his remarks before he passed out the challenge coins, that it all works based upon the, the actually uh, need of a man actually playing the role that God created him to be as an image bearer of a father. So here's how that works. The guy who was over 10 households was a father in his own house who had demonstrated that he could follow the prototype of God. The man who was over the 50s, households, 50 households, one man with a family over 50 households, he was chosen because he had demonstrated that he could actually honor that responsibility over 50 households because he followed the prototype of God. The guy who was over Hundreds was over hundreds of families because he had demonstrated on another level that he could handle that many responsibilities as the prototype of God. And the guy who was over thousands was over thousands because he had demonstrated over the years that he, had the, he could handle that responsibility over thousands. And then there was Moses who was over everybody, and Moses was a father who was the prototype of God. So what are you trying to say Brother Chief, here's my summary on that point. When there are enough unhindered fathers in a neighborhood, it will transform a community. When there are enough unhindered fathers in a community, it will transform a city. And when there are enough unhindered fathers in a city, it will transform a county. And when there are enough unhindered fathers in a county, in enough counties, it will transform a state. And when there are enough unhindered fathers in states, it'll transform a country. And when there are enough unhindered fathers in countries, it'll transform the whole wide world for the glory of God. But when men deviate from the standard 
a fatherhood that God has created, sisters and brothers, it has a ripple effect on the kingdom of God, both genealogically within our family and generationally from one family to another family and globally all over the world because of deviating from the standard that God has set as fathers. Does that make sense? So an unhindered father is recognized. Here's where I'm getting into my points of the message an unhindered father is recognized by four distinct ways according to the text. Here's way number one. Unhindered fathers have a collaborative relationship with God. The text says, all your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. That's enough to shout right there, isn't it fathers? Fathers have a collaborative relationship with God to be what he created us to be and to do what he created us to do as if he were actually the one doing it in the earth. Did y'all get that? Our fathering of our children should be from the mindset that we are representing God as a dad and we're actually doing what he would be doing if he were our children's father. So they call that God sense, having a collaborative sense that I don't have to father all by myself. I'm fathering with God and he carries the bulk of the weight. He equips me with the authority I need, the resources I need, and the capabilities I need to do what he would do if he was fathering my kid. So what that means is there's never a need that a child would have that their daddy cannot meet if you're fathering in the prototype of God. I'm about to lose it up here already, and I'm not even halfway through my first point. Fathers have a collaborative relationship with God, and here is how God sense. How can a brother know that he has God sense? God puts some things in us, fathers, that when we know him, the more we get to know him, the more we can measure whether or not we are acting like him. And so I've got some examples to show you. How do you know you have God sense? God sense shows up when you love hearing your children call your name. I mean, we, we get that from God because he loves hearing his children call his name. You know you have God sense when you love coming through for your children. God loves coming through for his kids. I don't know about you, brothers, but I absolutely love coming through for my kids. That's when you know you got God sense. You know you got God sense when you cannot ignore the cry of a child in distress. My goodness, man, when you know, when your children call you with a cry of distress, when they text you with a cry of distress, you know as a dad, you have to respond to that cry. You know you have God sense when you have, when your children have unhindered access to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Listen, I, I, I'm going faster than I really need to. I want to slow down right here just to say, if your child, brother, does not have unhindered, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week access to you, then you have lost your God sense in that area because a guy who is God sense has his children know, no matter how old they get, they know they can, when they need to get to their daddy, they can get to their daddy. You know you have God sense when you, when, you're, you, when you know when your children have a need and they know that their daddy is equipped to meet it. You know you have God sense when everything you do, your sense is everything I do, I do for my children 
And you know you have God sense when you have a sense that everything I own belongs to my children. You know, guys, and I use some personal testimonies to kind of reinforce this. I'm still a work in progress myself. But my children know everything I got belongs to them. Everything I got. They don't have to get permission to come to my house. My children don't have to get commission to come into the house if I'm not there. They have a key to my house. They have the security code to my house. Anything in my house belongs to them. They don't, if I'm not at home and they are at home in my house, they don't have to call me and say, Dad, can I open this up? Dad, can I get this? Dad, they know everything at the house belongs to them. And that's just a measure of God's sense. Does that make sense? So in a collaborative relationship, God is working in us, God is working through us, and he is working in us to produce spiritual, mental, physical attributes needed to be the father he created us to be. And God is working through us to use us as resources that he's appropriated to sustain a standard of fatherhood and to fill gaps in our children's lives that can only be met by their daddy. Listen, brothers, God wants to equip us in this collaborative relationship to where when they have a need, there's some needs that can only be, be met by a daddy. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? God's idea about prototype, about image bearer, about God's sense is to equip us to where anytime a need arises in the life of our children, anytime there's a gap, they know that their daddy is thoroughly equipped to fill those gaps. I was raised by a single mom and she was a woman of faith. Thank God. She had six children. I was the fourth of four boys and we had two girls. She had two girls after me. And because when dad left, we became terribly poor. My mother went on welfare and food stamps to help take care of her six children, and it still wasn't enough. But we joined a church after Dad left. I remembered I was five years old, and we began to go to church, and there were some men at Galilee Baptist Church who were married men, who had wives, who had children. And I looked at those men Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and I realized their lives were a whole lot better than our lives. They seemed happier than we were. They were dressed nicer than we did. were dressed. It just didn't seem like they were eating mayonnaise sandwiches and drinking sugar water at the end of the month like we did. And God put a conviction in my heart. That's what I intended for a family to look like. And I said, okay, God, I want one of them when I grow up. So listen, brothers, welfare and food stamps is not a godly standard for a family. It's a government standard. And, and listen, child support is not a, a kingdom standard for supporting our children. Uh, it's a government standard. And we can't acquiesce to government standards for providing for our children on this side of heaven and call ourselves a godly daddy. When we are unhindered fathers because it is God at work in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And as his image bearers, as a prototype, when we surrender our fatherhood to the lands of God's husbandry, God takes responsibility to bring forth fruit we need to meet the needs of all our children. As the scripture says, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 
verse 4 talks about the husbandry of God, how he looks at us as land that brings forth fruit. And he says, blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, your children, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. All of those blessed promises to dad so that we can always meet the needs of our children in a collaborative relationship. Here's the second way we know how to recognize an unhindered father. In verse 14 it says, In righteousness you shall be established, you shall be far from oppression. For you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Righteousness, fathers, is the personality and character of God. And unhindered fathers are established in righteousness because of Jesus Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And there are four effects of being a father with unhindered character in the text. And the first effect of a Father, with unhindered character is, it says, in righteousness shall you be established. We are unhindered by condemnation. Unhindered fathers recognize and have a deep and abiding conviction of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And so our past failures, brothers, will not define our legacy. Our past failures, brothers, will not define our legacy. Our past failures, brothers, will not define our legacy. No one talks about how many times Hank Aaron struck out. They only talk about the number of home runs that he hit. No one talks about how many times Tom Brady was sacked or how many interceptions he threw. They only talk about the number of touchdowns, passing yards, and the number of Super Bowls he won. Now my New Orleans Saints fans are gonna kick me out for using Tom Brady instead of Drew Brees, but I had to use him because he is the GOAT. No one talks about how many times Michael Jordan missed a shot or how many times his shot was blocked or how many air balls that he shot. I don't even know if he ever had his shot blocked or shot an air ball for Michael Jordan. But nobody talks about those things. They only talk about the number of MVPs and Defensive Player of the Year and the number of trophies he won uh, in the NBA. Nobody talks about how many times Tiger Woods bogeyed or landed in a sand trap. They only talk about the number of PGA titles he won. Nobody talks about how many times Muhammad Ali was knocked down or how many fights he lost. They only talk about he was the greatest. And all I'm trying to say to us fathers is, the legacy of fathers is unhindered by past mistakes. Mistakes are part of the journey, and fathers who leave a legacy in their lives, in the lives of their children, are unhindered by their mistakes. How is it that men like me, who have a history of mistakes, can grow to be unhindered fathers? It's because, brothers, they keep bouncing back, they keep coming back, they keep pursuing the purposes of God as a father, and they ultimately come, become the champions for their children and the next generation of their children. The second effect of an unhindered character in a father is we are unhindered by oppression. The text says you shall be far from oppression. 
When we have the divine character of God on the inside of us, we are overcomers. We don't have a victim's mentality as being oppressed. We are not oppressed. We are more than conquerors, brothers. When I was five years old, growing up in an alley in Shreveport, Louisiana, one Sunday after church, Miss Maddie's house caught on fire. The firefighters came to put out Miss Maddie's fire. I was looking at the firefighters that day, sisters and brothers, and I was so taken in by what they were doing, I looked at my mom and brothers and sisters and said, I want to be a fireman when I grow up. Well, at that time, blacks could not be firefighters in the South. It was, according to human terms, an impossible dream. But no one ever told me to change my mind to pick something else. My mother never told me to change my mind and pick something else. Nobody at school told me to change my mind and pick something else. They said, in the United States of America, with our God on our side, all your dreams are going to come true. If you believe in and have faith in God, if you go to school and get a good education, if you respect grown-ups and treat other children like you want to be treated, all your dreams are going to come true. We are not oppressed. In 1981, I became a firefighter. Four years later, I became a captain. Ten years after that, I was promoted to assistant chief of training. Uh, in 18 years on the Shreveport Fire Department, I became the fire chief of the Shreveport Fire Department, the first ever African-American. Eight years later, I was appointed fire chief here in the city of Atlanta under the Honorable Mayor Shirley Franklin. Two years after that, President Barack Obama appointed me to be the head of the United States Fire Administration. A little boy growing up on welfare and food stamps on the front porch of a shotgun house raised by a single mom had a dream and now the head of the United States Fire Administration. We are not oppressed. We have been predestined by the Most High God. The third effect of an unhindered character, it says... For you shall not fear, which means courage is a part of being an unhindered father. I love Psalm 112, verse 7 through 8 says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. Trust in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he shall see his desire upon his enemies. Bishop shared with you that I got fired for writing a book for a Christian men Bible study. When they called me into the office to terminate me after I was suspended initially for 30 days, they were all sitting around the table, and I can tell by the look on their faces that they were not about to give me good news. This scripture rose up on the inside of me. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trust in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he shall see his desire upon his enemies. Why would he be afraid then? I'm afraid because they had made themselves my enemies, and Deuteronomy promised that the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. So I'm scared for them because they've made themselves my enemy. Number four way you can determine if a dad has unhindered character is confidence, it says, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Listen, brothers, any threat against a godly father is a threat against God. 
And the Bible says God laughs at the threats of our enemies. Fathers who are unhindered by condemnation, unhindered by oppression, unhindered by, they have unhindered courage and they have unhindered confidence, leave a legacy of blessings for their children. Unhindered fathers require, again, here's way number one, unhindered collaborative relationship with God. And here's number two, I just finished, the unhindered character of God. But number three, according to the text, to be an unhindered father requires unhindered efforts towards reconciliation. These last two points are going to be pretty tough. Here's what the scripture says. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever, whoever assembles against you, dads, shall fall for your sake. 16 says, Behold, I have created a blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. In the context of Father's Day, there are those today who have heavy hearts and may not be in a position, a celebratory position, because uh, you're a dad and you, you lost children over the years. Could be even in the past year. So this is a different Father's Day be children here today worshiping that this is not so much a celebratory Father's Day for you because you either lost your dad years ago and or even lost your dad this past year and I pray the comfort uh, of God upon you today but this also could be a challenging Father's Day for many of us because of the challenges of reconciliation and I've got some I wanted to put on the screen because it helps to see them as you hear them. You could be divorced, and your divorce has taken a toll on your relationship with your children. It could be you fathered a child and never had a real relationship with their mother, so you never embraced the child as your child. Could be you had a relationship with their mother years ago. You were just in high school. You were just in college. You broke up years past, but... Years later, you found out that she actually had a baby, and the baby belongs to you. You fathered a child in an unfaithful relationship since you've been married. You had children before you got married, and your wife rejects the notion of fathering your premarital children because you have children with her now. She wants all your attention on your children with her. You are married. She had children that are not your biological children. Their father is not involved in their lives, and you want to be a godly father, but your fathering is rejected by them and their mama. Your children are all grown-ups now. They are living their own lives, but they have little time for you. Or you're not in a relationship with them because of your past of unloving, dysfunctional, abusive behavior, and they don't want to have anything to do with you. So you've been reconciled by God, listen to me brothers, through Christ. Everything has changed about you. You're not the same guy you used to be. You've been redeemed and forgiven by Jesus, but you haven't been forgiven by your children and you haven't even forgiven yourself. Let me just remind you that if you are, if you confess Jesus Christ, according to this text, you have been established in righteousness. You are an unhindered father by oppression. You are unhindered by fear. You are unhindered by terror. 
for it shall never come near you. And you have a sincere desire for reconciliation, but there is many challenges that you face. And here's the last way, number four, the greatest challenges is unhindered opposition to your efforts towards reconciliation. Verse 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises you up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. And it ends with a decree and a promise combined. This is the heritage of the fathers of the Lord and their, their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. Opposition to fathering will come. Divorces happen, breakups happen, remarriages happen where your, your wife remarried another man and your children are under the leadership and the household of another man. It presents challenges. That's going to happen sometimes. Rejection from efforts to reconciliation are going to happen sometimes, but not by the hand of God. That's one of the things. That's the main point. That when it does come, brothers, it will not come by the hand of God because God is on your side. The text says there are consequences, listen carefully, to those who weaponize their relationships, weaponize their position, weaponize their vocation to work against God's divine order for fatherhood. There are consequences. God created vocations and instruments to produce good. He also created spoilers to destroy. Spoilers to destroy. Unhindered fathers should not be afraid of spoilers. Godly mothers and godly children should not be instruments of opposition to a father who is seeking reconciliation. Did y'all hear what I just said? Said godly mothers and godly children should not be instruments of opposition to sincere efforts for reconciliation of their fathers. Now, if you're not a godly mom or a godly child, that doesn't apply to you. But if you call yourself a son or a daughter of God, it applies to you. If you're in opposition to sincere efforts of a transformed, changed, godly dad to have a relationship with your, his children. You are a spoiler. And God has consequences for spoilers. You cannot say you love God, the God of reconciliation, and be an instrument of opposition to reconciliation. Despite the conditions that have caused mother and father to not be together, if you are a believer, you have two things in common as parents. You have the gift of having brought a child into the world, and you have the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, who has called all of us to the ministry of reconciliation. It's a part of the job. And to be a barrier to reconciliation is not only hurting the F-A-T-H-E-R, it's also hurting the capital F-A-T-H-E-R. Not only that, because unhindered opposition is rooted in anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness, it's also hurting the spoiler in their relationship with God. Does that make sense? And it's also hurting children who are old enough to know better and refuse efforts of reconciliation. Ephesians 6.2 says, honor your father and your mother, 
for this is the first commandment with promise. Deuteronomy 27, 16 says, listen to this, this is hard to hear, it's even hard to say, but cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt. Unhindered reconciliation always prevails over unhindered opposition. No weapon, no strategy, no plan formed against you, dads, will prosper in your efforts towards reconciliation. Every tongue, every plot, every scheme that is formed against your efforts towards reconciliation will fall for your sake. You are an errant sparrow of God, a prototype, and it is not your reputation on the line as a F-A-T-H-E-R. It is his reputation on the line as capital F-A-T-H-E-R. And our, our responsibility is to pursue, his responsibility is to fight. So we just keep on pursuing and let him do the fight. Whether facing fear, Brother Kelvin, it's just too hard. Whether finances, it's just going to cost me too much. Geography, they just live too far away. Time, it's just been too long, Brother, Kel Brother Cochran. Age, man, I'm just too old. If I was just a few years younger, I should have did this years ago. Our consequences, I could lose relationships with the children and spouse I already have. None of those things should stop a dad from seeking reconciliation with broken relationships with his children. No matter how challenging it may seem, God is on your side. Unhindered fathers, pursue reconciliation and let God do the fighting. The weapons of our warfare fathers are not carnal like fear and finances and geography and time and age, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds and God has equipped us with spiritual armor, with spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And that's all you need to win your children back with God on your side. And if a daddy is, number one, unhindered in collaboration, Number two, unhindered in character. Number three, unhindered in their effort towards reconciliation. And they're unhindered in the face of opposition to reconciliation. Brother, give yourself a hand clap of praise because you are an unhindered father and you will leave a legacy of faith and righteousness for the next generation of your family. Bishop, if you don't mind, I'd like all the fathers to come and just fill the altar here. I want us to say a prayer of rededication, a prayer of recommitment today as fathers. Brothers, I pray that the word of God has gone forth and touched you in some measure today. To encourage you as a father man we are literally unstoppable as dads God has made us in his image to bear his likeness and to be a source sustainer provider protector nourisher foundation of faith and righteousness for this generation of our children and the next generation of our children and the next generation of our children and guys, listen, we got to get rid of this mindset 
that we have to carry the weight of fatherhood all by ourselves. Man, we are in a collaborative relationship with God. It is him at work in us, both to will and to do as it relates to fatherhood according to his good pleasure. We don't have to do it by ourselves. So I want us to say this participatory prayer today together. Uh, you're just going to say what I say and do what I do. You're going to need some space because we're going to be using our arms and hands to do this prayer. So if some of you can take a step up, another take a step back until you get some space, that would be great. So just look at me and repeat and do what I do. Lift your hands up to heaven, brothers, and look up to heaven. Sisters, y'all pray with us. Heavenly Father, I offer my body a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is my spiritual act of worship. I will not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world as a father. I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. I have God's sense. I am living proof of what God intended a father to be. I'm a source, sustainer, provider, protector, nourisher, and foundation in Jesus' name. Put your hand on your head like this and say, Heavenly Father, I commit my mind to you. I have the mind of Christ, wisdom and sound judgment, good discretion and supernatural sense, good decision-making and understanding, are mine in Jesus' name. Come on, speak up, brothers. Put your eye, hands on your eyes like this and say, Heavenly Father, I commit these eyes to you that everything I see is filtered through the eyes of your Holy Spirit. My vision for the future, for manhood, for marriage, for fatherhood, for my career, for my ministry is ordered by the Lord. I will not use these eyes to stare after anything that leads to lust of the flesh lust of the eyes or the pride of life in Jesus name put your hands on your ears like this brothers and say Heavenly Father I commit these ears to you that as a father I will hear your voice clearly and distinctly above any other voice above any noise I will hear what God the Lord will speak for you will speak peace to me as a father and great shall be the peace of my children and I will not return again to the father to folly as a father in Jesus name put your hands under your lips like this and say heavenly father I commit these lips this tongue these vocal cords to you as a father, everything I say, I say of the father. 
and I don't say anything that the Father doesn't tell me to say. As a father, the Spirit of the Lord speaks through me, and your words are in my tongue. The Word of God is near me, in my mouth, and in my heart. And out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth will speak. In Jesus' name. Put your hand on your heart like this, brothers, and say, Heavenly Father, I commit this heart to you, that it be filled with your personality, with your character, as a father, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Against these, there is no limit, and against these, there is no law and out of my heart shall flow rivers of living water to my children in Jesus name stretch your arms out like this brothers and though we are making a dam we're gonna use these words and say Heavenly Father my left hand is in the rivers and my right hand is in the seas that the lands that you give me will be overflowing with your exceeding great and precious promises. My manhood land, my marriage land, my fatherhood land, my family land, my ministry land, and my career land. In Jesus' name, stretch your hands up again, brothers, and look at them this time and say, Heavenly Father, I commit these hands to you, that you will bless all the works of these hands and all that they set themselves to do, that whatsoever they do shall prosper, so that the people around me can see that I have everything they need to meet the needs of a father. And I give you all the praise for it, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I am an unhindered father, in Jesus' name. Amen. High five the brothers around you and tell them you're an unhindered father. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you.